Genesis chapter number one, and while you're standing very quickly, we're going to begin reading in verse number 20. This is the fifth day of creation. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that they may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them. Now, this is God literally blessing the fish of the sea and all of the life that was in the sea, and blessing all of the birds. God not only created them, but God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And I want to talk to us for a few moments here this morning about flightless birds. Flightless birds. I know that we praise the Lord a bunch here already today, but I wonder if we could just put our Bibles down and in preparation for the most important part of this service, let's pray together. Let's pray that the Word of God would bring illumination that would give supernatural insight, not just words on a page, but there would be an understanding. There would be a, a divinely engendered comprehension and an understanding, an understanding that not from Hollywood and not from the street and not from news media outlets, but an understanding from the Word of God. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've been, like many of you, I have been a student in awe and wonder of the Word of God ever since I've been saved. And Genesis chapter number 1 really even beyond chapter number one, but Genesis chapter number one has always held an incredible fascination for me because you really are reading from the book of beginnings. And it's no small thing that this incredible book begins within the beginning. And here we are, there's a lot that I could say about this because there's a lot that's already transpired before we even get to the fifth day of creation. But suffice it to say, you have already seen where on the first day, and the day, you have to understand, up until the third day, there was no natural light. There was no sun. There was no moon. There was no stars. Um, there was no astronomical bodies, which are indicators for physical time, for chronology. You have to have natural light. But there was no natural light the first three days of creation. And yet God still created. And the very first thing he did was separate spiritual illumination, spiritual light from spiritual darkness because God wanted there to be illumination before he created life. And then you have fulfillment of the first day, and then you have the second day. It was very primitive, and it was very, from a biological standpoint and a zoological, there was no zoology at this time. It was all biological. There was just grasses and plants, and there was uh, just raw forms of life, of, of flora. There was no fauna. And then we get to the fifth day, and now it's time for this incredible environment. And I want to stop long enough to insert something to help us comprehend how God 
operates. God always creates environment before he populates. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a germane statement here in a moment. I want you to catch it. That there has to be environment before there can be habitation, before there can be an inhabitant of that environment. Now, this is the methodology of deity. This is not the capricious, philosophical, ideological, higher education mind. This is how God operates. He operates on here a little, there a little, line upon line, environment upon environment. God is building an incredible ecosystem called the earth, a living, breathing ecosystem. And he begins in the very basic elements, and he begins to his work his way out, but he's building an environment. And that's why it is so important, cornerstone. And if you're visiting with us, you can, you can get this as well. That's why it is so important that we come into church. And it's basic, it's real, it's real basic. It's prayer, it's praise, and it's preaching. Okay, it's not program. There's no program in that. This is far more organic than some left brain kind of a device for man. This is a God thing. It's prayer. They prayed in the upper room. And then, and then it's praise. Then there was a demonstration on cobblestone streets. And then Peter lifted up his voice in verse number 14. And, and then there is preaching. Then God populates because there were 3,000 that were added to the church that day, baptized in Jesus' name. And so whether there's, whether there, we're way down because people are enjoying Labor Day, but my point is whenever we get together, we have to go through the same type of environmental structure, a principle, the same way that God did in the book of Genesis. And if we'll do that, God will call from the east and call from the north and call from the south and call from the west and begin to populate the environment that's been gone against spiritual darkness and gone in the face of every lion devil and manufactured in, in the face of denominationalism and gone in the face of news media outlets and gone in the face of the spirit of this world. Clap your hands and give him praise. That's it. That's why we have what we have is because that's a revelation of understanding that if you'll do it in your personal life of creating an environment, then God will continue to add to the church daily, such as should be saved. But here we are on the fifth day, an incredible environment. There's land, there's oceans, there's ground, there's grass and vegetation. And now it's time to populate these incredible environments, the water and the atmosphere. Now notice what God does. God does not stick his supernatural fingers into the soil like he did when he formed Adam. God spoke to the environment, and it brought forth life. This is why some of you that are visiting are saying, you know, I've never been in a church like this where I saw people running and so liberated and joyous and happy. You have to understand that if we'll do what the word of God says, God will speak to that environment and say, I designed that to be full. I designed that to be filled. I designed that to be inhabited. That's why mom and dad, you can't take a day off because you have to say, I'm keeping this bench warm for somebody. I'm keeping this bench warm for a backslider. I'm keeping this bench warm for a family member. I'm keeping my revival on fire for what God's fixing to do. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. And so God speaks to the water and says, bring forth life. And the incredible diversification and multiplicity of species of fish appeared. God spoke to the atmosphere and he said, bring forth fowl, bring forth birds, 
and birds began to appear. God is still creating in the 21st century. You and I are sitting here enjoying what God is doing here today, but did you know that there are 54,000 distinct separate species of fish? But God knows every one of them. Every one of their scales on their bodies is numbered, and God knows every single one of them. 54,000 species of fish. There are 4,629 species of animals. So in creating this amazing environment, God spoke to the soil, and it brought forth almost 4,700 different species of animals. And then God spoke to the air, and it produced 10,000 species of birds in the world today. Man, I think that is so cool. Now, if you talk to a modern science professor at any university, he would probably greatly argue with what I'm going to be talking about here today. But let's just settle this right now. He's wrong, and the word of God is right. Can we just agree on that before I get going? Scientists say, trust us. It's okay for an abortionist to say, hands off, it's my body. But when they say, you got to take the shot, you're not allowed to say, hands off, it's my body. I'm not going to trust a scientist. I'm going to go back and trust the word of God and realize there's people... <laughs> God created this thing. God made this thing. God fashioned this thing. God formed this thing. God made you and I, and he's going to take care of us. Clap your hands and give him praise. <laughs> 4,700 species of animals. Thousands and thousands of species of fish. Ten thousand species of birds in the world today all by the power of his word over the course of the last several thousand years mankind has discovered freaks of nature animals that somehow were able to traverse their special definitions and animals that challenge classification in the animal kingdom. For example, marsupials. Is there anybody in this audience of intelligent people that knows what a marsupial is? Would you just lift your hand? All right, devil. Pentecostals are clearly educated. A marsupial, one of the characteristics of marsupials, they're all mammals, but a marsupial has a pouch. The female has a pouch, and her young are born in this pouch and raised in a pouch. But they defy normal classification to the, to the degree that they even have to come up with a certain classification. Kangaroos, even a platypus is a marsupial. Even in the amphibious world, there are certain, um, not necessarily crustaceans, but they're, they're animals that are reptilian, that, that, that can survive in the water and they can survive on the ground, but they, they still have they still have a species, and they still have a genus, G-E-N-U-S. I'm talking about taxonomy right now and how they classify these kinds of animals. They, just, they, they realize that there's a little broader sense of, of animals that can, that can live in these, 
these different environments and they have characteristics that are God-given to them so that they can live in these kinds of environments. But they've always caused the scientific world to scratch their head. But there is no group of any kind of created animal that has created more awe and wonder than flightless birds. They defy the scientific community. You will not find any flightless birds in the North Pole. They all live in the Southern Hemisphere. That means the South Pole. You will not find penguins in the North Pole. If you go there and you're going to see penguins, you will be disappointed. You have to go to Antarctica to find penguins. But when you do that, you're going to find a lot of other birds that defy classification. There are 60 species of flightless birds in the world today. Some of these are comprised names that you will recognize. The ostrich, the moo, the penguin, kiwis, just to name a few. Now, although I've, although I've, I've placed some, there was not healing, there was not power, there was not victory, there was not personal liberation, there was only strict man-made denominationalism, and so people were looking to get away. So Charles Darwin's work was greatly embraced because it gave everybody the proverbial shove that they were looking for to move away from mainline denominationalism. And for you that are American history students, at the turn of the previous century in 1899, there were only nine denominations in America. The non-denominational movement did not exist. It did not exist until World War II. It is a sociological phenomenon. And so they were mainline denominational groups. But Charles Darwin went to the Galapagos Islands as an observer, but he, he, he started with question marks. And he was trying to bridge the gap where the special species, when I say special, I'm talking about a species that had certain characteristics within a group, a family, a genus, that differed from another bird. And what made those kinds of differences. And when he went to the Galapagos Islands, he made some discoveries of the life there, of life that was there. And one of the discoveries that he made was that there was a small bird that was there where one species of the bird had um, an elongated beak that was longer than its cousin in the same species, in the same family and he wanted to know why there was a variation of those species. And the, the answer was, he said, because this species ate a certain nut. And the only way that they could get into that nut is they had to break the shell. And when they broke the shell, that beak that had become elongated through millions of years, I'm saying that sarcastically, millions of years, allowed that bird to adapt because of its environment. So Charles Darwin, and this is, this is erroneous. I'm getting ready to present this to you. You're saying, what in the world does this have the word of God? You just hang on. Okay, so Charles Darwin posited that it was environment became all that was necessary to bring about some kind of, here it is, are you ready? Evolution. And it was that animals will adapt to their environment over many, 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 many years. And that's how changes come. And that was placed into the intellectual mind of the 19th century. And it has become the basis of public school teaching for over 100 years. Long over 100 years. Just go back to the Scopes trial, and that's what it was all about, about what could be taught in public schools, and public schools prefer not to teach creationism. They prefer to teach Darwinism. 
how that we have all evolved. And you and I, at one point, were primates. I take that as an insult. Now, there's some, re- there's some real characters in my family tree, but we never hung with our tails eating fruit. Are you with me out there? No, in the beginning, God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. I'm not making any statement on anybody's lifestyle, but but the raw essence of it is, if you are a human being, you are made in the image of God, you are valuable, you have identity, you are worth saving, you are worth healing, you are worth delivering, you are worth reaching for, you are worth sacrificing for. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. So this one group of flightless birds has caused the scientific community to stand in awe and wonder because it does not align with their hypothesis. A hypothesis is an unproven theory. And in this case, this hypothesis is a falsehood. It's totally false. But they posit that the reason why there are flightless birds only found in the southern hemisphere they have wings that are no match for the size of their and the weight of their body. When ornithologists which is the science of bird study, begins to study birds and they begin to study flight patterns. They look at the shape of the wing and they look at the design of that wing versus weight and body design. And they have found flightless birds, their wings do not remotely come close to the size of their body. And so scientists believe, even though it's false, that the reason why these birds evolved over millions and millions of years is because there was a lack of predators. Now stick with me. Okay, this is fascinating stuff to me. They posit, P-O-S-I-T, basically a scientific opinion that they present forth, that the reason why these birds over thousands and millions of years have lost all of their ability to fly is because there are no predators. Really? Where does an ostrich live? Anybody? Let's start with this group. You look intelligent this morning. Where does an ostrich live? Anybody? Africa. Thank you. Are there any predators in Africa? Oh, come on, you science lovers. We're, this is deduction. We're going, we're going through this on purpose. Okay. Over millions of years, there's no predators, so their wings shrunk. Really? Are there any predators in Africa? How about a lion? How about a leopard? How about the hyenas? How about wild dogs? How about cheetahs that can outrun an ostrich? Ladies and gentlemen, it's got nothing to do with scientific hypothesis. God designed them that way. I'm just going to tell you, if I had wings, I'd use them. If I had wings, I'd want to fly. But scientists will try to convince people that the lack of predators is what has produced flightless birds. And then they cite the auk, A-U-K, penguin, 
other birds that are found in the extreme part of the southern hemisphere, not understanding that they are subject to sea lions. What I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is scientists can't even tell you how to flip a light switch, but if you'll get into the word of God, you'll get all the understanding and answers that you need. Somebody clap your hands. I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm just saying God knows all things. God is everywhere. He has all power. He has all knowledge. He has all wind and wisdom. He's everywhere at once. He knows everything. So why are birds flightless? All flightless birds have some commonalities. As I've already mentioned, their wing size is minimal compared to their body size. They all nest on the ground. All of them, all flightless birds nest on the ground. In fact, flightless birds today are being threatened. 80% of all flightless bird, birds are threatened. Some of them on the endangered species list, which is a list of animals that re reach a certain threshold um, of, or fewer breeding pairs where they cannot uh, they don't believe that they're going to make a recovery. The peregrine falcon made a recovery. The bald eagle at one time, believe it or not, was on the endangered species list, and it made a full recovery. But they have wings. They're able to fly. But why is it? Why is it? I'm going to tell you why. God created these birds to be flightless, to teach a lesson to you and I. And that lesson is that if you've got wings, you ought to just go ahead and use them. Now, if you're in a dead, dry, no power, no revelation, no understanding, kind of a dying denominational religion, then you are proving my point today that you are subject to predators because you're not able to escape terra firma. But if you've got wings, you can escape. Come on, Pentecostals, use your wings today. Come on, children of God, use your wings today. Come on, people, use your wings today. Come on, somebody, start flapping your wings today. Somebody needs to rise above the depression of this world and the, and the chemical answers that your doctor put you on drugs and put you on psychotropic examination. No, 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 no. What you need is to get a prayer life. Will you wing your way in the glory and the power of the almighty God? Man, there's a lot of people walking around today. That's okay. I was running around early, so everybody gets their chance to move. I am telling you something that scientists cannot prove. They will never be able to prove this that it was not evolution, it was by design. It was by design that penguins cannot fly. It was designed that an ostrich cannot fly. That's why every single bird on this list has got to use different kind of characteristics and mechanisms for self-survival. And the ostrich has learned to run. It may not be able to fly, but it's one of the fastest runners in the world. Just like the emu is a lot like it. And, and the penguins, they survive in huge colonies thinking that we're safe by numbers, but they will never be able to fly. But ladies and gentlemen, you and I, as children of God, you are designed to fly.
buy. You are designed to experience redemptive live. Let me tell you what's been happening in this service here today, that while we were praising God, some of us were rising above the depression and rising above the lies of the devil and rising over what your body is telling you and rising over what the world is telling you. And now you can say, I think I can make it again. I think I see Jesus again. I think I can hope again. I think I can fly. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Go ahead and give him praise for a minute. Come on, use your wings. If you got wings, use them. God's not going to do it for you. But if you'll spread them, you'll begin to glide on the currents of praise and the currents of his glory. I worry about people that never lift their hands. I worry about people that never make it to the prayer room. I worry about people that are uninvolved with praise and worship. And I'm not here like going down my little religious list, putting a check by all those people. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not my point at all. My thing is you don't understand the environment that wings are environmental. And when you begin to pray, your wings come out. When you begin to praise, your wings come out. And as that glory begins to fill the house, everybody's flying. Everybody's not just angels, but it's... Everybody ought to be praising him. Everybody ought to be magnifying. Everybody ought to be glorifying. This is how you teach your, your children. You teach them to fly. You teach them to pray. You teach them to worship. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God great praise. We do not get our identity from the doctor of theology from Yale University. You cannot define us by intellectualism. You cannot define this by going to every church in town and saying, well, this one's just a little bit different. No, what you gotta do is go back into the book of Acts and see what happened on the first day that the church was born. And you'll see that there were 120 people that launched off of a branch as the Holy Ghost filled that place and they began. You go ahead and sit on your branch and suck your thumb and feel sorry for yourself. When I make it to the house of God, this is what this pastor does. Devil, you lied to me on Monday. You tried to take that saint out on Tuesday. You tried to get rid of that person on Wednesday. You tried to resist me on Monday. But now it's payback. I'm in a room full of wings. I'm in a room full of atmosphere. I'm in a room full of environment. I would take advantage of it. I would take advantage of it, saint of God, and spread your wings somebody shout somebody give him praise somebody give him glory somebody get off of the ground somebody get away from carnality somebody get away from the devil don't feel sorry for me I got wings I can fly away from this mess One of the reasons why flightless birds at least when it comes to birds they saw one of the greatest groups of birds in the world become absolutely extinct. When you look at animals that are on the list of extinction you're going to see some flightless birds on there. And that's because they were entirely subject to predators. 
They were entirely subject to people. One of the most famous extinct birds, and don't laugh when I say this, and it's not a Pentecostal cuss word, is the dodo bird. If anybody calls you a dodo bird, that means you're extinct. I don't know what else is a connotation with that, but the dodo bird is totally, absolutely extinct. You want to know why is it extinct? Because it could not get away from predators, and it could not get away from mankind. And when mankind brought the dodo bird back to Western culture and put them in a little wood cage and say this, they, they were never designed for that environment, no matter how pretty and dolled up they tried to make it, they ended up killing off the last dodo bird. But I'm telling you, that is why flightless birds are a living, breathing testimony from God to the human race, is because God designed them, that they're going to have to develop another attribute, whether it's running or getting together in big numbers and just, just figure into the equation that there's a certain percentile we're going to lose every year because of walruses and sea lions and seals and everything else. We're not going to be able to escape that. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that you and I have a way of escape. You and I can spread our wings. We can get away from the devil. You can get away from carnality. You can get away from the lust of the flesh. You can get away from the lust of the eye. You can get away from the pride of life. All you got to do is get in your prayer closet and you'll wing your way into the glory and the power of an almighty God. My God, I think I'm going to do that right now. When you see this pastor running, it's not to try to impress you. You don't understand what I've been going through all week. I'm flapping my wings into an environment that's created by the church of the living God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The second reason is because the fact that they cannot fly, they have to nest, raise a family, build a home on the ground. And, you know, I've been pastoring a long time now, Brother Charles. And one of the biggest differences I've seen between two people is not the haves and the have-nots. It's the do's and the do-nots. And I have noticed that people that really have a prayer life and really do worship, I'm not saying you got to run the aisles like I do, but you really worship God. You take advantage of the environment and you use the wings you have. They have a tendency to not complain near as much as people that are trying to build the their nest on the ground. And you're trying to raise your family in the world. And you're trying to raise your family where it's subject to predators. And you're trying to raise your family where the devil is like a roaring lion. And you're trying to raise your family with Hollywood and technology right in the middle of your world. I choose to build it on the lawfulest. I'm going to use my wings and I'm going to teach my children how to use their wings. The devil will pass over a thousand congregations and focus on one congregation that has this revelation today because he does not want you to use wings. Brother Andrew, Luke chapter number 13. Look at this. Then said Jesus, unto what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I resemble it? Watch this. Next verse. It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew, and it waxed a great multi-branched tree. And the fowls didn't build a den like the fox and didn't dig a hole like the badger, but the birds of the air lodged in the branches of it. Do you want to know why birds are able to survive that have wings? 
is because when they get to raising a family, I'm not going to be carnal. I'm not going to see if I can get away with the television in my home. I'm not going to see if I can get away with watching movies. I'm not going to see if I can get away with my kids involved with sports. I'm not going to see if I can get, get involved with what I got. Just, just fake everybody out. And, and just, I, I don't want to have to pray. And I don't want to have to fast. And I, I don't want to have to tell my flesh no. And I don't want to have to discipline myself. And I, I don't, no, 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 no. But the people that have learned, I'm going to do this because I'm building my family here on the ground. I'm going to get up in a branch. I'm going to get up on a place where I can see. I've got vision. I've got a vista. I can see enemies. I can see. Clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, mama, show us how to fly. Come on, daddy, show us how to use the environment to put air currents under your wings and fly above the depression and fly above the dejection and fly over the negativity that lies to you every day. Let's just praise him for a minute. That's why your pastor is running, is shouting, no matter what the devil's been telling me, because I'm letting the devil know, you can't program me. I don't care what kind of stuff is going on that I've been dealing with. Devil, when I get into the environment that God created, I'm going to use these wings. Clap your hands. Give him praise. Give him glory. Come on, use your wings. I don't care what the, the devil wants you on the ground because you're no match for the devil on the ground. You're no match for the fox, the wolf on the ground. When the wolf gets you on the ground, there's no escape. You can't outrun him. You can't outdodge him. You won't get away, but spread your wings. Flightless birds are given to us as an example. That if you don't use your wings to build a house, you are subject to becoming a casualty. I'm not happy to say this. It depresses me to say this. I've seen a lot of new people come in. 30 years worth. Never changed one thing about this. The most vulnerable part of your spiritual existence is not developing a prayer life. Prayer life where you rise, a prayer life where you ascend, a prayer life where you mount up with. The devil wants to take people out when they're undisciplined. The devil wants to take people out when they are no consecration. The, the devil wants to take people out before they ever experience elevation. What we have experienced in this building today is scientifically known as redemptive lift. When we put our focus on something higher, it has a tendency to lift us. If I be lifted up, didn't Jesus say that? You say, Pastor, I've had this kind of a week, and Pastor, I've had this kind of a day, and Pastor, I've had this kind of a life, and get in line. We've all had it. But the difference is you have an environment now where you can get above the lies. And now you're looking down saying, devil, I ain't never going to work again. Devil, you ain't never going to put me in that again. Devil, you ain't never going to talk me into that again. Devil, you ain't never going to manipulate me again. Somebody, Somebody spread your wings. Somebody take flight. Somebody get in the atmosphere. Somebody. Clap your hands, lift your voice, give him praise. Use your wings. 
Man, I just love hearing the sound of all these babies in this place. Thank God for all these babies. Devil, you're not going to get them. Hey, I want all you young guys to stand right now. Brother Noah, all the way down. Stand up, every one of you guys. You know what I love about these guys? When one takes a lap, they all start running. Leave her alone, Brother Darian, so she can run. Here's another thing I love about them. Did you know that this is the age group that the devil is after now? Oh, you can go ahead and put your head in the sand, Mr. Ostrich, but I'm telling you that this is the age right now where classrooms and teachers and warped evil people want to tell them, you ain't a boy, you're really a girl. I rebuke that lion spirit by the authority of the name of Jesus. Run on Come on, run. In your face. Come on, somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. You're not getting the young ones. You're not getting the old ones. You're not getting the teenagers. You're not getting any of them. We're going to teach people how to fly. We're going to teach them how to fly above every lie of the devil. Come on, Brother Marx is running. I need a couple other guys to take a lap. I need a couple guys that can outrun the devil to take a lap right now. I need a couple sisters to run the aisles right now. Devil, you can't have me. You can't have my children. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my sanity. Somebody clap your hands and shout. Use those wings. It is a crime to have wings and not use them. know what to tell you. You're saying you're just working this up. Honey, I was doing it before I even had a microphone in my hand. You ain't got to work this up. There's an environment here. There are angels in this house. There is glory in this house. There is power in this house. His train is in this house. His power, his promises, his prophecy. To have wings and not use them means that you'll lose them. The only way you can keep your wings is you have to keep using them. Now, I was an amateur. I know this is a a stretch for some of you. But at 12 years old, our whole neighborhood used to call me bird brains. Because I was an amateur ornithologist. I love birds. I still do. I got a stuffed peregrine falcon that I had for several years enjoying the sport of falconry in my office right now. At 12 years old, while everybody was going to the high school football game, I was that kid running through that field with binoculars chasing that flock of birds. And so I can bring a little bit to the table here this morning. One of the things, the way... The eagle is the most renowned biblical bird. There is no bird that is more renowned in the animal kingdom than an eagle because it's the highest flyer, because it's powerful. It is a strong of nobility. It is a strong of independence. They have no known natural enemies except mankind. And the eagle is used in many different ways throughout the Old Testament. But one of the ways that an eagle teaches its young 
First they're hatchlings, then they're fledglings, then they're young adults. And now they all sit around and flap their wings. When a young man comes to me, he says, Pastor, I've been giving Bible studies and I feel like preaching. He's flapping his wings. What the mom and dad eagle do is they get that eaglet to stand on the edge of the nest. This only works. This only works. This is a reality of the animal kingdom, and it works among eagles. But you have to have built your home in a lofty place. Even golden eagles have a higher percentile of predation. They lose more of their young to predation because they use cliffs. And the cliffs are a whole different ecosystem, and they're subject to various forms of predators that live in the cliffs, but not an eagle. You have to build your home on the promises of God. You have to be able to, when, when, when people walk into your house, they shouldn't feel some air of negativity because everybody's been talking about the church and talking about their brother and sister. They ought to walk into the house and feel, man, I feel peace in this house. And man, someone's been talking about Jesus. And I bet somebody's been praying around here. And I bet someone's been talking about the word. Come on, I'm trying to, I'm trying to preach to you. Some of us, have, our kids have never even heard us pray. This is the privilege of having wings. If you're not building a nest on the ground that is subjected to foxes and possum and raccoons, but you're in the lofty branches of the tallest tree around, and you get that eaglet out on the edge, the mom and dad will not push that bird. They don't push him. But they've been watching this. Okay. You know, you've raised your kids. You've done a good job. And all of a sudden, your 18-year-old boy comes in and says, Dad, I think you're doing it wrong around here. Oh. I think it's time for you to hit the nest. Come on, Mom and Dad. I shouldn't be speaking a foreign language right now. There's only going to be one eagle in this nest. You're going to have to go get your own nest. There was a young man that's pastoring a church that's out of this building, he, not far from here, told me one time, he said, Pastor, I think you should be letting me do a lot more preaching. I, th I said, I think it's time you probably hit the road. Time for you to go get your own pulpit. And he's got one. He's got a group showing up. They're in church. They're having church right now. He's doing a great job. But I hear it all the time. I hear people saying, you know what? You're flapping your wings. That's positive. That's not a negative. That's powerful. That's what you should be doing. Having a sweet spirit to people that, have, that can add nothing into your life. You think you can treat them any way you want to. That's not the sign of having wings. That's the sign of people that live on the ground. But when you live on, you have a loftier attitude. You have a higher view. You have a higher vision. You're closer to heaven. You're closer to God. You, my God, I could preach all day on this. When you get your lofty position, you're closer to the heavens. The mom and the dad eagle fly around that nest with a freshly killed morsel. Falcons, falcons, if it's a peregrine falcon, it's a true falcon, it'll only eat birds. They don't eat mammals. They don't eat animals. They only eat birds. But an eagle will kill a bird. It will kill an, an animal, a mammal, a rabbit, a cat. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I just don't like cats. I hope that didn't blow this great sermon today. YouTube's got videos of eagles killing cats. I can't help it. They're on there. I saw a YouTube video of an eagle carrying a deer. But when, those, when, the, when the young ones are ready to get out of the nest 
You ain't going to squawk around here and flap your wings. Get out on the edge. And then that parent would fly around in circles with, with part of a rabbit and let those birds get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier and hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. And finally, there it goes. I'm going after it. And they take the leap. And now they experience flight for the first time. And they say, oh, this is so awesome. This is so wonderful. I can see for miles. I'm not going back to the nest where people are squawking and complaining of the view. I've discovered my wings. Come on, young person. You've seen your mom and dad pray in the midnight hours. It's time for you to develop a prayer life. It's time for you to get a consecration. It's time for... I need, I need mom and dad to help me right now. That'll keep you out of the jaws of the wolf. That'll keep you out of the jaws of the fox. That'll keep you out of the paw of the lion. If you learn... Wings are a necessity to supernatural living. Let's go to that first psalm, Brother Andrew. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Next verse, please. Fearfulness. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. Go to verse 5. That's critical. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. Verse 6. Oh, that I had wings. I wish I had wings. I wish I could just fly away. I wish I could get out of here. I wish I could just get out of this common situation Maybe if it's a situation that's self-inflicted. Maybe you did it to yourself, and you just wish it was different. You don't know how to get out of it. But if I had wings. Go to the next scripture. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made the heaven and the earth bless thee out of Zion. Let's lift our wings. Let's bless the Lord. Lift your hands. Well, I'm not, I'm not charismatic, so I can't lift my hands. Ladies and gentlemen, this is in the Word of God. Lift your hands. Lift your wings. I could go on all day. Scriptures are all through the Word of God. Look at Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall what? They shall what? They shall what? They shall what? I'm not going to go on psychotropic drugs. I'm not going to listen to this doctor. I'm going to go to the word of God. Whose report shall you believe? Whose report will you believe? I'm going to wait on God. God maybe didn't get into my time frame, but wait. God didn't get in my impatience, but wait. God is not moved by human impatience, but they that wait upon the Lord, you're going to renew your strength. God's just looking for somebody. God's looking for somebody. God's looking for anybody that will operate on a different economy and operate in a different environment that await on the Lord. Shall mount up with wing. There's another group that's here today. Your wings are damaged. You have wings. When you try to exercise, it hurts. I am fascinated with veterinarians that deal with birds because there's special care that has to go in to the repair of a broken wing. 
The bone structure of a wing is different from any other creature in that there is no marrow in the bones. They're hollow to give it the light, lighter than air buoyancy that's needed in a wing. But a wing that is being addressed by a specialist is not allowed to move. They wrap it. They may have to, depending on the woundedness, they may have to apply a salve or a bomb. But if we're just talking about a simple break where they can't use their wing, they're extremely vulnerable to predators because they can't run. They have underdeveloped ability to run. They've never had to run. So they have to be protected. They put almost like a sling and they wrap the wing and they just wait. It takes time. And the stories of veterinarians that deal with this, there's one not far from here that I have taken my birds to. I've taken four or five different falcons to. Jerry Ponte is a friend of mine. He's a veterinarian in Otis Orchards that's looked at my birds. And these specialists know he was used in a project to help wounded bald eagles come back to the place, regaining flight, and then supremacy and dominance. Bald eagles were created for dominance. You and I were created for dominance. And they just put that bird in a place where it won't be bothered, won't be threatened. won't become excited or fearful. They just let it rest. Plenty of food, water, and time. And the success stories that come when you see where a bald eagle is reintroduced it's an amazing thing. Usually they call the newspaper out or they'll call a fifth grade elementary class over or bring it to an elementary school so they can see the beauty and the power of not just the ability to heal but the ability to take flight. With what I know, which is so vastly limited about people's lives, There's some folks here today. I'm glad you're still with us. But you're in the process of healing. You're in the process of God restoring what only God can do. Go to that scripture in Malachi, Brother Andrew. Unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. Not with healing in his hands. Not speaking the word and bringing about a healing. With healing in his wings. Let's lift our hands. Well, Pastor, you just don't know what I've been through. Just don't know how bad I'm hurting, Pastor. Just lift what you can. He's here with healing in his wings. He wants to see you soar again and fly again. Do the acrobat again and do things that you were designed to do far above carnality, 
far beyond terra firma, far beyond, beyond the small voices of small people. But fly in the glory. Let's stand. There are people here today that have been brought here by the plan of God that are in need of a different kind of a healing, a different kind of a restoration. It's an it's a inner healing. It's a, the healing of the emotions, the healing of the psyche, the healing of the conscience of a person that becomes brutalized and wounded so that one day they can ascend to the heights. Let's lift our hands. They that wait upon the Lord there's abuse victims here today. There's people here that have been radicalized by the trauma of a loss in your life, the loss of a child, the loss of a person, the loss of a situation. This altar is open. You come. Come on, church. Continue to church. No, continue to keep your hands in the air. Church, let's pray. Use your wings, church. Come on, let's create that environment. If you need healing in your wings, if you're tired of trying to build a life on the ground, trying to build a life in the view of the wolf and the lion and the predator, the voice of this world, come on, this, this altar's open to you. Come on, Cornerstone. I can't do it all myself. I've done my part. I need you to help me right now. There's people that need to be in this altar so that God can begin to connect the dots.